Turn with me to fifteenth chapter of John. I left here not left here, but Sunday afternoon I began to be much troubled about my joking with some of you after the service and aggravating some and I felt like if there was any seriousness that I might convey to you when I opened the book that it destroyed that I didn't mean to I I do that more than I wished I did. I'll try to do better. I was aggravating Heather about bumping her gums. Of course, she was probably talking time. She was six months old and hadn't quit since. And her and, her and Toby remind me of the second church where I was. He was chairman of the deacon board and just rarely talked. His wife's name was Buna, and she talked all the time. Not as much as Heather, but they'd run a good race. But they were visiting one evening in the in the, in their home, and and she said, "Conrad never pays me any attention." And said, "Every once in a while, I throw out a good nugget." And he said, "It's not worth my time to pick it out." So, so, uh, and then I go outside and I start aggravating Tim and Larry. The best way to do Tim is get to jump on him because he's going to do that to you. And uh, probably shouldn't have. Brandy hadn't learned yet. She let her boys be around him so much they didn't like him. So now they're going to go through life like that. Loving to aggravate. But anyway, John 15. I want to speak to you on verse number 15. I have called you friends. As I mentioned, Larry already has asked, asked me early this morning uh, what I was on. And I opened up to that chapter and having started a new Bible this year, I saw that I had, had underlined a couple of things in this chapter. Uh, three or four things, but one of them was that I've called you friends, and it began to bother me, bother me a little bit, and so I, I said, tell me, tell me if I've preached on that, and about, I don't know, less than five minutes later, he, he sends me a list of, 2013, three times uh, I was here 
consecutively. And then in January, I was here. But I was not going to throw it away uh, because I really felt like this was where the Lord would have me tonight. And someone asked Spurgeon if he ever preached the same sermon twice. And I didn't go back. I don't know. Though I might repeat something, I, I do not know if I will or not. But someone asked Spurgeon if he ever preached the same sermon twice. And his reply was, do you think I throw away the axe when I cut down the tree? So... If I repeat anything, it wasn't because that I hadn't been trying to prepare to bring you that which is which is new. I trust that it shall be so. But we'll begin reading in a moment, verse 13 down through 15. And then look at a couple of other other passages. But before we read, would you bow with me as as we as we seek our Lord? Our Father, we are very grateful to you for the opportunity to assemble to open the book to ask of you for the Spirit of God to give us understanding give us wisdom unction to rightly set truth before these and that you might help them in hearing Instruct us, my Father, for one day we all shall stand before you and give an account, not only for the deeds done in the body, not only for that which we have learned, but that which we could have learned had we wisely applied ourselves. So I pray that you might help them, and the preacher also, to Christ's glory. In his name we pray. Amen. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, all things I have made known unto you, as the Son of Man he got from his father that which he was to make known to his people. 
Now notice this, I have called, that's past tense. You will only become friends with one that is like-minded to you. One that has many of the same interests in life that you do. And it takes time, much conversation in getting to know one another or your what will be your friend. And a lot of hours together. But before they ever were his friends, he called them that, I have called you. Now, humanly speaking, that'd be like me calling John Doe. You know, that's the name that we give because there's, there's no one by that name. But supposing 20 years down the road, there would be one born with the name of John Doe. That'd be like me sitting here tonight and telling you about my friend, John Doe, that does not yet exist. But I call him my friend. That's what Christ did if you're his friend. Before you ever got here. Now verse number 13, I lay down my life for my, for his friends. That's that greater love. That a man lay down his life for his friend. Now he had friends in the Old Testament. Abraham in particular was called the friend of God. When he died, he had friends in the, the disciples and some of the women that knew him. But he not only laid down his life for those friends, but for many that would become such that he would later manifest himself to them as, You are my friend. I love thee with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31, 3. Okay, because of that love, therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. He alone had the power to create, to watch over, to bring them where they are, when they are, in the circumstances that they might be, and keep them until there was an encounter with his gospel. And with that encounter, there would be the Spirit of God preceding the declaration of his truth, And then they would become his friends. Now one of the passages is Proverbs chapter number 29. 
Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 21. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child, watching over, training as he ought, shall have him become his son. Now, a son is closer to you than your friend. So Christ had the power, still maintains that power, to bring up his servants. That's what we all started out as, servants, number one, to sin, but then in salvation, servants to the Most High God. He delicately, tenderly, softly, wisely raises us up to maturity and then at length we become his sons. Not only sons, but a son that becomes a friend. Now, it takes a while for a young boy to become a friend with his, with his dad. You can't always treat them as friends while they're growing up. But in their maturity, then you can begin to treat them as your friend. Some, somewhere down the road, they'll be able to converse with you, knowing what you're talking about, understanding all these things. So, God delicately brings up His children so that we, beginning as servants, become a son at length. Now, Sunday morning, I, I read to you from Matthew 26, the words of Christ, where he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. He had previously said in John chapter 12, Now is my tro- soul troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No. But for this cause came I into the world. Now I think that I have in time past somewhere mentioned this to you. Did Christ go so far in descending from glory to become a servant? Take upon him the form of a servant. Take upon him the likeness of sinful flesh. Did he do all that, go through all the ridicule, the suffering, the abuse with, with the religious, and putting up with disciples that did not understand him until after his death and the Spirit of God descended? But somewhere in those final hours, he decided, this is my limit. I can't go any further. Was his love almost 
with all of his heart. But in the depths of his suffering at the last moment under such weight, love for self prevailed over the love for his church. You know the answer is he did not. Always it was for his church and everything that he did. Now those that say he prayed when he prayed for this cup to pass from him, that cup to them, meaning his death, say that there was a limit to his love. Now, what we believe, I hope all of you here, we, what we believe, we're often accused of limiting the atonement of Christ. But the very opposite is true. It is the Armenians, those that's uh, on the opposite side of where we are, that limit his death. They say that his death was only sufficient to those that would let him. Then there is the possibility, distinct possibility, and greater than possibility, and greater than maybe a probability, that if it takes a human being letting Christ save him or her, then there would be none saved, and his death would not have been sufficient for those that he came to claim. You know the old Armenian and those of those that believe in the free will of man and, and that's the extreme to which they go. You know their old cliche. Number one, the devil voted against you. Number two, God voted for you and you cast the deciding ballot. No. You would never decide for Christ. He must awaken. He must give life. He must work in you to will. That is, to choose. He must uh, grant life for you to close with Christ. Unless He does all those things, you never will let Him save you. You don't hold that power and that authority in your hand. So I say to you upon the authority of Scripture, His death accomplished everything He intended that it do. Even bringing you, we who were His, his enemies, to bow and bringing us later to a place where he could manifest himself to us as I am your friend. Greater love hath no man. One of the purposes of Christ's death, it wasn't, the main purpose wasn't to save you from sin. 
and send you off skipping merrily ever after to enter glory. That wasn't the purpose of his death, though that is included in it. The purpose of his death was to bring you to God, make you a worshiper, and bring you into a relationship so that he could manifest his being. I am your brother. I am your friend. I am your husband. I am the one that loves you supremely far above anyone else's love. I call you my friends. His death accomplished that. There's no maybe or hope so about it. All that the Father giveth me, he said, shall come unto me, and he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. That's solid footing wherein you can run to the Lord Jesus. I will not cast you out. John 17, Father, I pray not for the world, But for those thou hast given me. Go back, look up Acts 13.48 sometime when you get home. Acts 13.48. As many as were ordained to eternal life believe. How many believed? As many as were ordained to eternal life. John 10. Other sheep I have which as of yet are not of this fold, them must I also bring. And then he said to the Jews, to, to many of the Jews looking on when he made that statement, ye believe me not because you are not my sheep. Now another Romans chapter number 11. Romans chapter number 11, verse number 7. What then? Israel, natural Israel, hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. But the election hath obtained it, and God said, all that were of Israel... All that were in Israel were not of Israel. So not everybody, not all the Jews are going to be saved. The nation Israel has not obtained, but the election hath obtained it. And if the election didn't obtain it, then the rest were blinded. According as it is written, Isaiah 29, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Remember in Isaiah 6, and you get the sense there that Isaiah is just standing back listening to God talk to God. 
they said, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah raised his hand and volunteered and said, I'll go, Lord. And God said, Okay, this is this is your commission. Go preach unto all until all the cities lie waste. And Israel once again becomes that dry, barren desert land. Okay, Lord, I'll go. How long until it is accomplished that I'm going to shut their eyes so they can't see. I'm going to stop up their ears so that they cannot hear. Make Israel the my chosen people in that nation know. You see and you hear because the the election of God hath obtained that for you. The death of Christ has obtained that for you. Now, do you think it would be an advantage for you to speak with one whose power was limited? Now, our senator, two senators, they have somewhat of authority and a degree of power. Now, if one of them or if both of them were my best friend and I needed something desperately done for me, they, they could do only what's possible humanly, for they only cast two votes in a hundred, and they could never sway the majority of the senators to help me if, that's the, if that was the kind of help I needed. Do you think that Christ is limited in His power when you bend the knee to one who in his death determined to bring it not only as sons, but as his friends. Do you think he's going to turn a deaf ear? When from your heart you make known your request unto him. He's got power to do whatever you ask him. All you've got to do is make sure that what you're asking him is according to the will of your Father. And it's not ask out of lust. It's not ask because of, of things that might be outside his will. You pray in his will and he'll give you whatever you ask. Christ, 1 Peter 3.18, hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Why would you do that, Lord? That he might bring us to God. Guess where all those that he died for are going to end up? With God. Saved. 
from sin. Now here below what the old songwriter asked for, we will never know. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin a double cure. Number one, save me from the power of sin. Number two, make me holy. Though all children are becoming holy, that's what he died to make you, holy sons and daughters. Though you will never reach that perfected state here in, in this old world, yet that is where you are headed. For he never leaves one that he saves in their sins. But he is daily delivering us from that. For do not be of that number or in that number that limit the work and the power of Christ. His death accomplished what he intended. And in our day, I'll have to add the word, his death shall accomplish all that he died for. All will get to God. All will be made holy, devout, dedicated. All will become friends, some to a greater degree than others. But all will become the friends of the Lord Jesus because He first loved you. He first was your friend and His death is intended to bring you into the fullness of that relationship where you can say, He is my friend. I am His friend. If there is the slightest possibility that our Lord Jesus is unable to accomplish that, which He died to accomplish, then every day your life is filled with uncertainty. You don't know if you're going to make it to glory. You'll never have that assurance. But if He died and that death accomplished, what he intended and what he died for, then with confidence we can say, He who hath begun a good work in me will finish it. I will make it into glory. Now am I this confident one that believes what the Baptists rightly teach and once saved, always saved? I believe that is a true statement. And yet, I'm not that confident to take a, a seat in the easy chair and not labor to make certain my election and my calling. Now, John 15, 14, Ye are my friends. 
But there is a condition placed upon that. If you do whatsoever I command you. One thing about true friendship, they never make any demands upon you other than that which you are able to do. And when Christ said, if you do, this is not like a second grader talking to another second grader, I'll be your friend if you'll be my friend. It's not like that at all. He died to bring you into the closest of union, marriage, into the closest of fellowship, friendship. He died to do that. But the only way that you will ever know that is if you do whatsoever He commands you. For you to realize the fullness of the relationship his friendship, your sonship, your marriage to bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. For you to ever realize that, it will be only by obedience. Now turn with me to John chapter 20. This is the last, and I'll close here. John chapter number 20, verse number 11, Mary's outside the sepulcher, weeping. And verse 12, she seeth two angels in white, sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Now this is this is jumping up a little bit, it has nothing whatsoever to do with where I'm going. But when Peter went in and John followed him, they saw the linen clothes wrapped together. Now the saying that still is abroad there in the nation of Israel is that his disciples came and stole him. And one thing you don't do when you go steal a body is you undress them and leave their clothes lying there. Another thing is that that you don't take time even if you did take their grave clothes off. You don't take time to fold them up. And very neatly and arranged have they folded, wrapped together in a place, his linen clothes. And then they put that which is about his head in another place. And I've had two or three over the years ask me why was that about his head, in a napkin about his head in a separate place. And the only thing I've ever been able to come up with is that though we are clothed in the garments of his righteousness, he left his grave clothes. And 
We are robed in His garments now, yet the church will never be clothed as into the headship of God. It will always be separate. The church is the body. Christ is the head. Well, anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. But just showing you that the Spirit of God, to those that have eyes to see, destroyed this thinking that the disciples stole his body. But now back to number 14 now. When they ask why she's weeping, she said, they've taken my Lord. And I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Her eyes are either as the disciples in Luke 24 or that she cannot recognize him or he is in such a different state now that she does not recognize him. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, I will take him away. Her love was so great that she was determined, I will get his body female taking a body carrying it away I'll take him away verse 16 Jesus saith unto Mary she turned herself and saith unto him Rabboni now the Greek scholars tell us that the teachers in Israel were called rabbis. But the word rabboni is one that is head over all the teachers. Recognizing Jesus, she said, Master, rabboni, and Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. No matter what I or the Scriptures say about a believer's relationship with the Lord Jesus, what I've, what I've said to you tonight, what is death will eventually bring about in all believers. You must always keep in mind his exalted position, his love for, his friendship to, will never be manifested to an individual living in sin or rebellion or not recognizing him as Lord over all. The prodigal son would never have known his father's heart 
if he had remained in that far country, feeding, living down there in the hog pen. Christ, to be in this relationship with his people, though it brought him from the highest pinnacle of glory down to the lowest depths of humanity, is only revealed as he raises you above the realm here. Now Mary was so thrilled to see that her, her Lord was risen that evidently she was running toward him and he said, you just stop. Let's get some things straight here before you proceed on. And though Christ died that you might be his friend, died that he might manifest to you himself as your friend. Listen, Proverbs, he that, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. Do you think Christ is going to manifest his friendship with you if you are an unfriendly person to him? No. No, no. Though Christ is the greatest friend one can have, yet even in that there never can be that unholy familiarity with him. Mary, don't touch me. Now some say, they take it and say, well, he hadn't gotten back to heaven. And he wanted to get there. But that can't be true. Because in, in, in I think it's Matthew 28, before he ever ascended, and it was, I hope I'm right in telling you 50 days, I think it was 50 days after, after his resurrection, before he ascended back to glory. In Matthew 28, as they went to tell the disciples the message of the angel, He's not here, but he's risen. Then Jesus met them and said, All hell. And they came and held him by his feet. He let them. And he wouldn't let Mary. Because Mary was going to approach him on the relationship she had with him while he was on earth. He said, no, everything's different now, Mary. I'll be your friend. I'll be the dearest friend you got. But you must now recognize me in that exalted, resurrected position. This old Christ's death purchased Your friendship, if you're a Christian. Now I'll leave you with this, and you answer it sometime. How far have you progressed in where you can honestly say in your soul, I've got a friend sitting on the throne of glory? How far?